Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Communications Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, my guest is Tyler Williams. He's the founder and chief technical officer of Cannabis Safety and Quality, or CSQ. Over the years, Tyler has diligently worked with various industry stakeholders and conducted sample audits on several cannabis cultivators and manufacturers to create the first global cannabis safety and quality certification scheme. Tyler currently sits on NCIA's Policy Council and the the Cannabis Manufacturing Committee at NCIA. In addition, he serves as a member of the National Industrial Hemp Council and the Safe Quality Food Institute's Cannabis Working Group. In 2019, Tyler started a nonprofit organization called Show Me Food Safety. This organization provides resources to small food manufacturers and growers to help improve their food safety practices, get on the shelves of local grocery stores, and improve the overall health of consumers. Welcome to the show, Tyler. Yeah, thanks for having me. For sure. So that's a lot that you're involved in and have done recently. Uh, But let's learn more about your background and what other kinds of experiences you had before getting involved in the cannabis industry and doing this work with our wonderful movement and industry. Yeah, absolutely. So right after I received my undergrad, I started working for ASI Food Safety, who is a uh, certification uh, body in the the food industry. I was about in every role you can think of for the company before I started uh, doing some auditing and consulting with food and beverage companies in the industry. Uh, Eventually, I was promoted to vice president of operations for ASI, and I found myself getting more and more involved with different industry committees and working groups, which allowed me to really expand my network and take ASI to the next level. Great. Interesting. Did did you think at that point that cannabis was going to be moving on your plate or, or how did you move into that cannabis space And when it comes to food safety? Obviously, we've got edibles, gummies, cookies, all kinds of infused products in our industry. So that definitely means you're you're now dealing with cannabis. Was that something you were personally interested in or did it just kind of fall on your plate there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so when I first started at ASI, um, I put together an old-fashioned SWOT analysis. And one of my opportunities that I identified was getting into the cannabis industry. Basically, I wanted to provide third-party certifications similar to what we had been doing in the food industry for several years. Um, at the time, no one seemed to really care much about this opportunity. Uh, But once I stepped into the role of uh, VP of operations, 
it was kind of game on at that point, right? Um, I started developing the, the very first version of the CSQ standard, which at the time only consisted of two standards, one for cultivation and one for manufacturing. Uh, we quickly started providing CSQ and CGMP audits to the industry, and I started joining industry organizations such as NCIA uh, to help share my knowledge of industry best practices and just try to educate cannabis cultivators and, and manufacturers in the industry. That's awesome. Great. And you've definitely gotten super involved in NCIA. <laughs> yes. uh, I mentioned before, you not only are on uh, the Cannabis Manufacturing Committee, which is a great group of people, but also our Policy Council, which is really stepping up above and beyond uh, to look at bigger picture, federal policy, best practices. So uh, we can talk more about that later. Uh, but currently, um, here you are, founder and Chief Technical Officer of CSQ. Uh, so tell me more about what's going on with the company there and, and what your day-to-day -day is like and what you're working on this year. Of course. Uh, so we just launched the standard to the public uh, July 1st, and we ended our public comment period uh, for the standards on July 31st. Uh, so it lasted about a month. Uh, we the, the reason why we put the standards in a public comment period is to get input from industry stakeholders and to ensure that all the needs of the industry are, are really being fulfilled. Uh, right now, we are conducting pilot audits at different facilities to ensure our audit management software is working as intended, and we'll be releasing our auditor training uh, here pretty soon as well. If everything goes according to plan and COVID permitting, uh, our licensed certification bodies will be able to start performing audits uh, in October against the CSQ standards. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah, that statement, if everything goes accordingly <laughs> to plan, is is a bold statement to make in 2020 since uh, every month seems to be a new uh, advent calendar of disaster and crisis. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a couple minutes before our commercial break. So if you don't mind, I'd like to get into the committee, the Cannabis Manufacturing Committee, and just get a sense from you about what that committee does. I mean, it seems obvious you're going to sit around and talk about best practices and standards and, and ways to improve the industry, but I wonder if you could just give a little more insight into that committee and, and who's on it and, and what you're working on. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, So I joined the committee last year, and I'm on it again uh, this year as well. The, the the new committee list just came out, I think, this week or last mm -hmm. week. Yep. Um, but uh, last year, what we did in the committee was we, we wrote a, a really nice paper on uh, GMP audits and, and what's, what those entail and how uh, sites can prepare for those GMP audits uh, since, since those are uh, becoming more popular in the industry. We also worked on uh, some nomenclature for the industry and just trying to standardize a lot of the definitions uh, in the words and things that we hear in the industry that, um, you know, one uh, industry source might think it's supposed to be uh, this definition and another one thinks it's it's another. And what we really just try to do is, is get all of those uh, really just the best industry sources together and kind of agree on one uh, definition for things and, and just standardize across the industry. That's great. And I think it, it underscores 
things I've said before and things others have said about the cannabis industry, us, us people that are building this still federally illegal industry, the FDA hasn't come for us yet, as I like to say. You know, all the federal regulatory agencies have not come for us yet. So we have this unique opportunity in time to do this kind of committee work, to do the deep dives into defining our internal industry regulations, best practices. Uh, so as we move into the future, uh, where federal legalization is is a reality that we all share. Um, yeah, the other agencies are going to come and uh, take a look at us and probably tell us, you know, what to do. But the more prepared we are internally and the more formalized we are and the more sophisticated we are from the inside out, hopefully the smoother that process will go. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, a big part of of what we're here to talk about today is kind of uh, there is no oversight, at least federally. A lot of it's um, local oversight, and a lot of times they don't have the resources to um, really provide that oversight and guidance to the industry. So as an industry, we really kind of have to self-regulate ourselves and set that framework for when the inevitable comes and there is federal legalization and we do start having regulators come in, uh, we kind of are in a unique position where we can kind of tailor the industry to what we want it to be uh, before that really heavy set of regulations comes down on us. Absolutely right. So all the work of our committees right now, we have 13 member-driven committees. That ranges from the Cannabis Manufacturing Committee I mentioned that Tyler sits on to the Cannabis Cultivation Committee to the Cannabis Facility Committee. So there really are all these little aspects of the committee that experts are taking those deep dives into uh, in order to ensure that we're putting our brain power together, uh, using our experiences and lessons learned to come together and create an industry that makes sense and uh, prepare for growth and expansion into the future. Okay, let's take our first commercial break and then we'll be right back to chat more with Tyler Williams from Cannabis Safety and Quality. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Hi, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I have Hernanda Umana joining me. We're just both so fascinated with how much we've learned since we've been in this pet industry and creating an all-natural product. Because it's a dog's life. I am a huge fan of my guest today, Dr. Bob Goldstein. I have, in my experience, not seen many natural substances produce the results 
that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's a dog's life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, and we're chatting with Tyler Williams from Cannabis Safety and Quality. As I mentioned before, he's very involved in NCIA. He is involved in the Cannabis Manufacturing Committee and also sits on our Policy Council. Uh, You also contributed a blog to NCIA's website, which I appreciate, about getting a third-party audit. Sounds a little scary. Essentially, you're asking experts outside of your company, not within, to look around, check under the hood, check the fluid levels, right? Um, Let's talk about some of the benefits of getting a third-party audit and why a cannabis company should, should do this. Yeah, absolutely. So for, uh, I'll kind of break this down into to two sections. So for uh, cultivators and manufacturers, uh, the benefits are are a little bit more obvious. Uh, so there's, you know, the significant improvements you have to product safety and quality. Um, you, you get a third party verification uh, that you're meeting regulatory compliance. Uh, sites are typically less likely to have a recall or a voluntary withdrawal or some sort of regulatory warning. It also provides a protection of your brand and enhances your marketability. Um, it also increases your consumer confidence and your loyalty to your brand. And lastly, for the cultivators and manufacturers, you have the potential to receive uh, lower insur- insurance rates, mm-hmm. um, which is something that a lot of people don't think about. You can literally take your certificates that you get from these certifications to your insurers and say, hey, I am taking the steps needed to produce safe and quality products. Is there anything that you guys can do to help lower my rates? And we've worked with uh, several insurance insurers on this. Um, and so that's something that a lot of people don't think about. Now for the dispensary and retail side of, of things, Uh, The benefits include uh, having better confidence in your suppliers, um, those who receive third-party audits, obviously. And then in regards to uh, CSQ in particular, um, actually these these dispensaries and retailers can search for new suppliers on our searchable database or check to see if their current suppliers are compliant to the CSQ standards. 
this is huge in terms when you think of the approval process that goes into verifying and approving these suppliers um, and just ensuring that you as a retailer are none of your consumers are going to get sick from any of the products that you're selling in your store. Yes, that's absolutely ideal. Um, and and I think even, even the most conscientious business owner or manager, um, you know, you think you know your business inside and out, inside and out, and you think you know everything, but it's probably, you know, pretty easy to get tunnel vision or to, uh, you know, have accidental blinders on. So, so somebody who is outside of your company will be able to break through those, those barriers, it seems like. And, and I guess it's the difference between putting gas in my car, which I do all the time. I'm comfortable with it. I understand versus like replacing the brake pads, for example, which I, don't know how to do personally, <laughs> but um, you mentioned preventing recalls as one of the benefits of receiving a third-party audit. So with all the recalls and regulatory warnings that we start to see in the industry, tell me a little bit about how a, re a recall can impact a company. Yes, that's a, a great question. Um, and just as a reminder, recalls only take place when there is a legitimate public health concern. You know, we have to remember that people's lives are, are at stake here, right? Um, there was just an incident in Michigan uh, where over 3,000 pre-rolls were recalled because an employee was caught licking the pre-rolls. Um, and we're talking about it in Ew. the COVID age, right? Ew. <laughs> so, um, the good hygiene practices are the very basic essentials of, of current good manufacturing practices or, or CGMPs. Now, it's easy to blame the individual employee who was accused of licking the pre-rolls, but there is equal blame for the management team and the practices at the facility. Mm -hmm. So even though this was an issue with basic GMP practices, there's a much bigger issue with the intentional adulteration, employee training, and management commitment to safety and quality. These core issues go above and beyond your basic good manufacturing practices. It should also be mentioned that a recall does not only affect the business's profit margins and image, but it also affects the whole industry. I'll give you an example. Uh, when there's a lettuce outbreak, the sales for the entire lettuce industry fall, even for the brands that weren't involved in the outbreak. Mm -hmm. uh, this is because people tend to stop buying lettuce in general because they're worried about the health and safety of themselves and, of course, the family members, if, if, if that's uh, one of their responsibilities. Uh, a recall could potentially be even more damaging in the cannabis industry because there's already a lack of trust that exists with consumers. And it's an industry that's still in its infancy, right? So we have to take in all of these considerations when we think about um, the nuances that come with a recall. It's not just your brand and image that's getting tarnished, it's the whole in industry that's affected. So true. And the colloquialism of, you know, one bad apple ruins the bunch kind of comes to mind here. Um, so even with a detailed roadmap and 
double and triple checking everything. We we do live in a world of uncertainty and chaos, yay. So something is bound to fall through the cracks and go wrong, no matter how carefully you prepare. I think they call it Moore's Law, no relation. Mm-hmm. You stated there are some things that just can't be prevented by following basic cannabis GMPs, good manufacturing practices. Let's elaborate a little more on where the GMPs may miss the mark. Of course. Um, there are a lot of aspects to safety and quality than just CGMPs. Uh, for an example, of that would be uh, supplier approval programs, which we, we kind of just mentioned in the last one. But there's a better example. Uh, recently, there was an FDA recall of hemp and CBD products that were contaminated with lead. This issue was traced back to the supplier of their tincture droppers. Yikes. Uh, So the site clearly did not have a supplier approval program in place, or at least not a very robust one that included their packaging companies as well. So supplier approval programs are, are very common in the food industry, but you typically don't see that verification of these programs until you start getting into your higher level GFSI audits. Uh, This is one of the reasons we built the CSQ standards to be in line with GFSI. Excellent, excellent. Thanks for breaking that down. Um, As we have just a minute or two left here before our next commercial break, um, are, are these issues going to go to the FDA once federal legalization occurs? Like these kinds of supply chain uh, approval programs, is this something they would also have a heavy hand in or is that a different regulatory agency? I I believe so. So what we've already seen the FDA starting to get involved, especially in the CBD. And right now they're really Mm -hmm. just getting involved if there's a real concern to health, consumer's health, or if there's uh, mislabeling or, you know, CBDs, companies making health claims and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're already seeing the FDA kind of step in, uh, even though there's not regulations in place. So um, I, I do believe the FDA uh, will definitely set the regulations for the cannabis industry and specifically to supplier approval programs. They, they definitely uh, implemented this back in 2011 when uh, FISMA rolled out uh, for uh, the food industry. Uh, there was a big push for supplier controls. So I don't see why they wouldn't include that in the regulations on cannabis as well. Gotcha. Well, it's important for our industry to remain vigilant. And if you are listeners uh, in the cannabis industry and your company's not yet a member of NCIA, now's a really great time to get involved and to also connect with NCIA members who are already sitting on some of these committees who are doing this above and beyond work of cannabis standardization and best practices. And let's really share information and make make ourselves better. Let's make each other better. Let's make our industry the best it can be. So get involved in NCIA. And next year, when we have a new committee term, since we just sat our new committee for this year's term, 
uh, get involved next year. All right, let's take our last commercial break and then we'll be right back to wrap up our conversation with Tyler Williams from CSQ. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Candid, captivating, compelling. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Welcome Sorry to Cannabis Confidential. Oh, you got me again. All right. I got you again. You got me again. Welcome to Cannabis okay. Confidential. Ah! <laughs> Hey, we did it. We did it. Welcome. I have the coolest guest today. You guys already know. The one and only Tommy Chong. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Cannabis Confidential. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone, gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little, your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, and we've been chatting with Tyler Williams, who's the Chief Technical Officer at Cannabis Safety and Quality, CSQ. And as I mentioned, he's a super NCIA member. He's on the Cannabis Manufacturing Committee now for the second year, and he's involved in NCIA's Policy Council. Um, I wonder if you could take a minute just to tell us what's going on with the Policy Council, the reason it exists, and the kinds of issues they're working on right now. Yeah, absolutely. So um, with the Policy Council, we, I feel like we're, we're pulled in 100 different directions, and it's, it's awesome. Uh, last year, um, in the beginning of last year when I joined, I believe there was 11 people that were part of the Policy Council and I want to say it's it's in the 40s or 50s now. So it's really grown over the years. And the work we've done from um, producing uh, the roadmap for uh, regulations um, and um, just putting letters together to send to government agencies and responding to FDA inquiries and all the things that we're doing now with social equity and, and all these kind of side committees we have it's just really awesome to be a part of it and um, to work with all the people that have uh, the vast knowledge 
from different uh, walks of life and different parts of the industry is just truly amazing. Awesome. Well, thanks for being a part of it. It's a it's a very important part of NCA's federal policy work for sure. And this year is NCIA's 10-year anniversary. Uh, I've been talking about it all year long. So it's fun to ask people some reflective questions as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary. Uh, You know, one thought is, where were you 10 years ago? Uh, Even me as an activist for cannabis for 17 years, I couldn't have predicted adult use legalization, honestly. I thought medical was the height we were going to hit. So that's my 10 years ago I could have never seen. Um, And then I'd also like to hear your perspective on predictions for the future or even hopes and wishes for our industry uh, 10 years into the future in 2030, which is wild to think about this year. What are your thoughts around this this big reflection into the past and into the future of our industry? Yeah. Wow. Let's see. Uh, I'm probably going to surprise some people here at, at how young I am. Uh, so let's see. Ten years ago, uh, I was about to graduate high school. And uh, let's just say my priorities were a little different. Uh, if I had to rank them, it would probably would have been girls, sports, and then cannabis uh, versus <laughs> now where it's probably cannabis, sports, and then girls, right? <laughs> uh, but honestly... <laughs> I would have never thought I would live to see the day uh, where recreational cannabis is legal in one state, uh, let alone 11 states where it's, it's legal now. Uh, so that's, it's huge, um, you know, leaps that the industry has made and it's only growing from here. I mean, we're, we're literally talking about federal legalization. I, I couldn't have imagined totally. that uh, 10 yeah. years ago. Agree. So how about the future? Where are we going? What are we going to do? Yeah, I I think in 10 years, we will definitely uh, well, hopefully see federal legalization, at least in the U.S., um, but I think there are some other more progressive countries out there uh, that will legalize as well. Uh, unfortunately, I think once federal legalization happens, uh, that the FDA and other regulators will make the industry uh almost impossible for small mom and pop operations to break into the market, which, which nobody wants to see. Um, one approach I think to keep this from happening is, is like I've been saying is to lay the groundwork for a type of semi self-regulating industry. You know, if we can get the industry to continuously produce and supply safe and quality products, then the requirements that come from regulators will be so much less burdensome. And and really, there's no reason why we shouldn't start regulating ourselves since the FDA won't, right? Um, at least not at this moment in time. So I, I it's just, um, it's a weird position that we're in where we even have to be talking about self-regulating ourselves um, because we're so used to to other industries where, where government is, has their hands in a little bit of everything. Um, but I think it gives us a little bit of advantage. Um, and we can kind of tailor it how we want, like we've been talking about. Absolutely. Thanks for that insight. And uh, to support that, you mentioned the Policy Council uh, published a report, the white paper called the Regulatory Roadmap. Uh, If you're interested in reading it, you can log on to www.thecannabisindustry.org and check out our industry reports 
section of our resources portion of our website. And Tyler's blogs that he's contributed to NCIA can be found in our blog section as well. So feel free to check that out. And I also want to mention that NCIA's Cannabis Caucus Cyber Series is returning in September kicking off September 15th in nine markets. If you're an NCIA member, these are exclusive to you and completely complimentary. So be sure to register now. Tyler, thank you again for being on the show and having this chat with me. Where can people find out more about you and your work? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me, Bethany. If you guys want to learn more about the, the CSQ certification program, um, please go to our website, csqcertification.com. Um, and as well as just uh, staying up to date with NCIA, we have a lot of exciting uh, partnerships that we're doing with NCIA over the, the month of September. So a lot of good information will be coming out soon. Excellent. Thanks again. And thanks everybody for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.